Happy Friday, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Friday Okra, our weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. And today I have on with me, uh, oh man, Ellen's out of pocket, but I have with me Ivy and Tyler. Thank you guys for being with us. We've got uh, government relations, legislative political organizers in the house with us today. Let's talk about all the things that happened this past week. There was a bunch. There was a bunch. It's been a big week. First week of session uh, started Monday with the governor's state of the state address. And, uh, you know, of the big things going on in our state, he did list education as as one of the top three things that that need focus. Um, I personally don't agree with how he wants to focus his his uh, his solutions, but you know, I, I do think uh, it's important to note that um, everyone realizes that we've got to dedicate some revenue and dedicate some focus to public education. And so I you know in that way we can all we can all kind of agree. Uh, he talked about merit pay. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, I was going to say, was there some things that surprised you? Were there things that he left out? You know, really? not surprising. He said um, his election and Superintendent Walter's election was was saying everyone wants vouchers. And that's where I'll disagree. And And we actually have some polling that shows that's not the case. Um, right after the election, there were some um, newspaper articles that we might have talked about on this podcast. I, I have talked to a lot of people about this, where they um, they interviewed a lot of Republican Party chairs in some rural counties. And they they asked, do you think that folks were voting on vouchers when they went into the ballot box? And they said, no, I think they were voting against national Democrat issues and, um, you know, higher gas prices and, you know, inflation and things like that. So um, we did some polling knowing that that would come out of the the state capital is, oh, you know, the voucher people got elected. So that must be what that means. Right. But as long as we have straight party voting, I just don't, you know, that, that won't change. Yeah. And I think um, I want to say thank you for having me on again. I appreciate the opportunity. I think there's some um, some data out there from the elections that show that this isn't really about that their their re-election or election wasn't really about school vouchers. Um, you see, especially House but Senate members outperforming the governor and uh, the superintendent by a by a large margin. And those a lot of those House members and Senate members oppose school vouchers. And if you were somebody, especially on the Senate side, who opposed school vouchers last year, you ran ahead of the governor and 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 the superintendent. So I think saying they have a mandate is is an easy thing to say. I think I'm not entirely sure that the numbers back that up. So in his state of the state, did he address the current crisis we're in? Uh, no, he didn't. Um, he did talk about, um, I say that, Tyler, did he mention teacher shortage? I think um, we, if you break down his speech in, in in kind of as it relates to education, there were three main points. He talked about vouchers. That doesn't address 
Um, it doesn't address the teacher shortage. He talked about merit pay. I think someone might make the argument that that uh, addresses the teacher shortage. I would disagree. And then finally, he talked about the reading um, program that we've heard from Superintendent uh, Walters. So I would say sort of, but but not really. Mostly with with merit pay is, was his idea. Right. So so no, we're in a crisis, like you said, Catherine. We are we are in a crisis, and and um, his solution of merit pay, um, on a very small level, is not even kind of a solution to that to the crisis. And because he even took, you didn't hear it in the state of the state, but when you got to see the what his proposal was, um, Superintendent Walters' proposal was 150 million for merit pay, right? The governor's merit pay was 50 million. So that's one third. So we've taken the three, okay, let's let's break these numbers down here. 300 million, we know that number would give all teachers a $5,000 pay raise, right? We know that's, we, we know those numbers. So the superintendent took half of that and said, I'll give a merit pay. Well, then the, <laughs> Governor said, "Well, no, I think I'll take a third, and I'll give her merit pay." <laughs> right. So if you if you look at what he has in his budget for this merit pay system, it's fifty million dollars. We have forty two thousand teachers, and if you give the ten thousand dollar raises that he mentioned, that's five thousand teachers that would get a raise. And that out doesn't 40, out of forty two thousand. That doesn't go far enough to address this problem that we're seeing in our schools with, you know, nearly 4,000 or 4,000 emergency certified teachers. Um, We need to have real investment in this space to address a real problem. And going from 300 million, which is what former Superintendent Hoffmeister proposed for a $5,000 raise to all teachers, all the way down to 50 million for some teachers is just creating a solution for a problem that it's it's so much bigger than that this is going to this is a drop in the well of what we need to be doing to address this problem and the real people who suffer with this with this issue are our students we need to have teachers in there and they need to be staying there because as you stay in the classroom as you both know your your practice improves and your ability to both connect with your kids and connect with your content improves over time and if we're not making it attractive enough to keep teachers ultimately students are the ones that suffer so he really didn't address our current crisis we're in to attract and retain teachers and um, he he put out there that his election that he won was a statement to people to say, yes, you voted for me, you voted for vouchers, but we did some breaking news polling on Tuesday, right, Ivy? And Correct. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Right. So we knew that um, we kind of decided before the election that we would want to do some polling, uh, depending, you know, to, in case the rea- the election went the way it actually did. We knew that it would be claimed by the, the elected officials and by the pro-voucher folks that this election was a mandate for vouchers. And 
to Tyler's point, when you look at what local elections, how they went, uh, state house races, uh, state Senate races, we don't think people are voting for at, at the local level for people they know and what they stand for at the state state level. I truly think it's kind of straight party. So, so we did some polling and overwhelmingly, uh, Oklahomans do not support taking public tax dollars and sending it to private schools. I think everyone agrees that parents get to choose how they want to educate their children. We have lots of choice and lots of freedom in that in, in Oklahoma. And, um, but, but they don't think tax dollars should go to that. If you want to send your child to a private school, that's, that's your expense. And there are some scholarships out there. In the last couple of years, we've actually created, um, we've actually really expanded the equal opportunity scholarships where lower income families can apply and get some help if that's what they choose to do. Um, so, you know, um, we, we oversampled Republicans because we are in an over Republican state. Um, we oversampled rural communities because that's who stands to lose the most where you don't have private schools. And overwhelmingly, uh, vouchers are not supported. Yeah. We, and, we, and we should say that this poll was conducted by the Terrence Group, which is a very well-respected uh, Republican pollster. And the numbers, to Ivy's point, are, are staggering. Not only standalone, like this time, but when you compare them to the numbers we saw in March of, of this past year, uh, right now, 74% of Oklahomans polled say that they don't want their public dollars sent to private schools for tuition. And that's high. Um, last March, that number was 61%. And we know, you know, last year, the speaker came out and said, we're not hearing this because it's unpopular. It's even more unpopular now. And it's not a little more unpopular. It's 13 points more unpopular with the uh, people of Oklahoma than it was uh, this past or in March of last year. So would it be fair to say that the elections didn't necessarily say we voted for you because we want vouchers? The elections helped um, people understand what vouchers are. Yeah, I think that's true. In in a poll, you know, if you've ever if you've ever been called to do a poll or if you've ever looked at polling results, you always say, I support whatever, I oppose whatever, or I'm unsure. In March, a way higher percentage of people were unsure. The unsure numbers this time were very, very, I mean, like 1%. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think if the elections did anything, it, it gave folks an education. And still, if you look at, if you look at uh, public school parents, private school parents, I mean, there was a cross-section of, of folks across the state, urban, rural, suburban, um, whether you wherever you sent your kids, uh, you don't support the state tax dollars going to private schools. And and I think another part of that is they're happy with their schools. I don't think anyone thinks our schools are perfect, but I think at the local level, as a parent, as a community member, you know how to get involved, you know where to go to ask questions, where is money being spent? It's very transparent. Um, every dollar spent goes through a public school board, and that that would go away if if we lost that transparency. And we've seen those 
we've seen those numbers in the past where you ask a person, we ask people, how do you rank schools statewide? And maybe they're not as high. But if you say, how is the how is the school in your community, no matter where they live, it's almost off the charts high, 70, 80 percent of people saying my local school is great. And so I think those numbers are are, are also important to, to look at. Did, I know we talked about on the polling, we asked specifically, do you want public funds going to private schools? Very direct question. What else did we ask people what they wanted, what they want, what they liked? Yeah, so um, there were a number of questions that we asked on this particular poll. Um, so first off, we asked people, do you want to increase state funding? for pre-K through 12th grade. And those numbers, and if you add together the extremely and very, very support for doing this, um, you're looking at 75% of people who want to um, send more money to public schools who serve all of our students. Another question was increased state funding. Um, another question was increase the pay and benefits for Oklahoma teachers. If you ask people in this poll, do you want to increase the pay and benefits of Oklahoma teachers to be more comparable to other professions with similar education and training requirements? We're looking at almost 85% of people being supportive of that. That says to me, again, that vouchers is, 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 is one, it's not popular. It's something that they want, but they're not listening to the to the people of Oklahoma when they're pushing vouchers. The people of Oklahoma are saying, we want you to fully invest in our public schools so we can keep the best teachers uh, around so our students benefit from that. And that we believe in our public schools. To that point, I mean, there's that narrative out there that kind of gets pushed that, oh, the public schools are bad, but I'm looking at these results and I'm thinking, no, they're saying. They want their public schools to do well. They want them to be funded. They want them, and they are doing well. Right. And when we when we look at what other states around us are doing, um, why does a student in Kansas deserve to be funded at almost $2,000 more per student per year than an Oklahoma student? That makes no sense. And, and I think Oklahomans are offended by that. So, so when Tyler says increase funding, they want us to be competitive with other states. Why, why are our kids not being invested in at the same level? Okay. So I think that's important. Um, right before this call, we, we talked about uh, Arkansas's uh, governor gave her first state of their state, and she called for a, an increase in pay. What did you say? $14,000 across uh, for every single child or every single teacher. Good grief. Uh, $14,000 pay raise. Was yeah. it starting pay was 50,000? The starting pay there now is 36,000. She's proposing uh, to, to raise that to $50,000. Holy bejeebers. Wow. And just to kind of, I don't know uh, if there are more questions about the poll, but there's something in the poll that I think is, is super important um, when it comes to, we hear a lot about parent choice. And in the poll, of all the people, of all the parents that were polled uh, during this time, 80% of them, whether or not they had a kid in school or not, 80% of parents are saying we don't want vouchers. And so we're going to talk about parent choice. 
parents are choosing public schools. We see that in these poll numbers. We see that in increased um, admission. We see more kids are going to public schools than did this time last year and this time two years ago. So if we're going to have a, a frank and honest conversation about parent choice, I think we need to be listening to what parents are saying. And they're overwhelmingly saying, we support our public schools. Yeah. So we had the state of the state. We talked a little bit about our polling, but right off the bat, the Senate came in and they started committee meetings and bills are happening. So what, what do we have? Um, oh gosh, did we say, is there like 500 million education bills or is it just like maybe 300? <laughs> just under 500 not million just under 500 bills it does it does feel like 500 million when you're reading them but just under 500 education bills that that are somehow attached to education and that could be how bonds are happening how school board elections might go and then it could be curriculum graduation requirements vouchers you know all of those types of things that we're watching so what do we, what do we have what do we have to look for no not to look forward to what what's on our plate yeah i'd say the the big buckets of things that that we're looking at for education um are part of what we just talked about there are a couple of big sweeping voucher bills um and then you know new language could be dropped in one tomorrow that we don't know about but but uh, right now there are a couple of voucher bills that coming out of the senate Ironically, they did not get put in the education committee. They put, I got put in a rules committee. We find that a little strange. So we'll, we'll watch those, obviously. Um, there are several that attack OEA again, telling us how, uh, how and when and if we can payroll deduct our, our association dues. Uh, there are a couple of bills to say you can't payroll deduct if you bargain, if you're a bargaining local that you've got an agreement with your district to do. Uh, there's uh, they want to soften that one bill will give you free liability insurance, but it's also going to say you can't pay real deduction dues and you have to do bargaining elections every year. So these are none of these are new ideas. These are all things we've seen in the past. And it's, a uh, you know, four different authors on four different bills. And many, many of these bills came from Alec, which is a, you know, a Oh, gosh. What does Alex stand for again? Legislative Exchange, American Legislative Exchange Commission Council. Council. So, you know, it's nationwide copy paste um, anti-union kind of union busting bills that we see across the nation that we've seen before. And we will continue to defend those. Um, uh, there are some pay raise bills, some not merit pay, some actual pay raise bills. Um, gosh, from 20 uh, percent. Uh, for pay raises uh, for support and and uh, certified. Uh, we saw, uh, I, I heard today, we're getting ready to see new language for $10,000 for every uh, teacher come out. Um, in the Senate, I saw a couple of different, uh, Senator Pugh in his education plan listed a five, uh, four, was it a $4,000 raise? And then Senator Pemberton's got a, a phasing in 2000 now, uh, skip a year, 2000 again, skip a year, 2000 again. And so that's a, a phasing in over time. And so um, we do hear that we will see an education plan come out of the house before too long. And I, I don't know what that will look like. So, so pay is being talked about. 
outside of the merit pay that the governor and the superintendent are talking about. I think that's hopeful. Um, and then, um, you know, I think you've got some some different ones. If, if you talk to our members, the feedback I get from our members outside of class size and needing more time, the thing that we hear the most is needing help with healthcare and dependent healthcare coverage, that it's so expensive to cover their family, their spouse, their children. And they're actually, for the first time in a few years, are a few bills that address that. Um, Dean Davis has got one that says he'd like for the state to cover 30% of dependent coverage. And, it, you know, we've talked about this before. State employees get 75% of theirs covered, but 30% is a start. Yeah. Um, Max Wolfley out of Midwest City um, wants to cover a dependent. So it's around $155, maybe a child that would cover. And then... Um, we have never even had a conversation starter. These right. Not right. ever... I mean, right. they usually go, wait, they don't have dependent coverage. They just assume that because we're the because we work for the state, but but we are we are set apart from other state employees. Educators are set apart. So um, so it's different. So we're we're excited that that's on the table. I just kind of want to as a, I was in the classroom a year and a half ago. And if I put on my still in the classroom teacher hat. When I hear these bills that are attacking my right to to join an organization and have them, you know, uh, work on my behalf on a lot of things that I don't have a lot of time to to deal with while I'm um, really enjoying being in the classroom and helping my kids grow, it it's so disappointing to me that we we have to come up with these these fights that shouldn't be fights. There are actual real problems out there that we could be solving. And you're talking about pay raises. And we're seeing, like you said, we're seeing pay raises on both sides of the aisle, on in both chambers. People are really trying to work on pay raises. And again, healthcare coverage. If I'm a if I'm a if I'm a teacher and I was a I was in my sixth year, I just had a kid. If I'm getting help paying for my daughter's Healthcare, that's a that means a lot to me. That's a real change that we could be making to help solve some actual problems. And so it annoys me that we have to deal with these um, bills seeking a problem. And I at the same time, I feel really great that we have a lot of people working on bills that will actually solve some problems and and help us solve a teacher shortage and honestly help our kids. That's kind of refreshing this year because. We, I, Ivy, I don't know of a time that we've had, you know, we saw Senator Pugh's package that came out with a bunch of bills and great to hear that the House has a plan that they may come out with that. Um, and this is kind of the year that they do those. They don't do them on election years. They do them on this first, I call it the first end of the, the two-year cycle. Um, this is where you're going to get the bills passed that you need to have passed. So um those are good. There's a lot of, would you say there, I would like to think that there's no bill out there that's going to be a distraction bill, uh, a dagger through our heart bill, anything like that, but I'm sure there are. You know, there are, and I think it depends on where your priorities are. You know, we we really stick in the education lane here and here at OEA, but there are a lot of um 
There are a lot of controversial bills coming through that are, you know, buzzwords for the culture wars, you know, lots of book banning type of things, lots of bathroom and who can play sports and, you know, all of those types of things. There are all of those culture bills out there and we will we will continue to watch those bills. But then there's some some kind of new ideas, Um, you know, teacher assaults are on the rise with with the kind of mental state with a lot of our student population. Uh, Mark Van Curen has a bill that increases leave. If you've been assaulted at work, you shouldn't have to rely on how much sick leave you have. That's a workplace injury that should be treated as such. Um, Senator David Bullard has some bills that we're not wild about, but then he also uh, got one through committee yesterday talking about a pilot program for childcare for educators. So, so there's some good stuff going on and good conversations happening that are hopeful in addition to the distractions. Yeah, I really, I really liked the the bill that Bullard got through Senate Ed. Um, obviously, it's it's a pilot program for on-site childcare for teachers. Our profession um, could really use some some. I mean, I want to call them perks. They're not perks. They're they're ways to keep people in the classroom so that our our students can benefit. And just one more I'd like to highlight, and I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast before, but Pew's plan and having 12 week of maternity leave is another one that I think if we're look if we're if we're trying to solve problems that exist right now and not create problems, that's a I mean, we have a our professions 70 to 75% uh female. That is what a great idea. And I know he's he's put that forward in the in the past, but I, I feel pretty um, I'm going to say confident, but I'm hopeful that it'll move this year and it can be something that we're discussing positively in the near future. Well, I'm going to just send out all the positive vibes um, out into the legislative hemisphere um, that we just get good work done. Good work. I mean, we've got so much to do. And, um, you know, I, I just want I want our listeners, I want our members to know we're going to keep you up to date. Every Saturday, you're going to get a legislative update. We're going to keep you up to date. We're going to alert you on bills. We've got civication dinners. We've got civication at the Capitol. We've got all these things going on to keep you up to date. So when there are those bills that that are the dagger in the heart, that are just so, that personally just you feel attacked that you can let that go and know that we're watching it. We're taking care of you. We're watching it and we'll let you know. We will alert you if something needs to be, but save that mental space and time for yourself and your kids and your family. Don't just, we've got so much going on this year. Um, I just want people to know we've got their back. And I know, Ivy, uh, your team, you guys are incredible. I just want to thank Ivy and Tyler for being on with us today. I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us on Podcasts at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.